distancing. Uh, sometimes I do this, sometimes I do some other stuff. Um, like most of you, that's uh, how it works around here with the church plant. We've got uh, plenty of opportunities to do plenty of uh, different things, um, so it's great. Um, we are in the third week of our series called Theory of Everything, um, going together through the book of Colossians, uh, Paul's letter to the, the church there. And uh, we have um, been looking at and um, sitting on this idea that um, Jesus is the king over everything. Last week, um, Stephen showed us in the middle of chapter 1 how Jesus is both the king of creation and the king of redemption. And those are the things that we want to keep in mind as we come to our passage today, which is the last part of chapter 1 and the first couple verses in chapter 2. Uh, if you're using one of the books on the seats there, um, in that version, you're going to want to turn to page 1043. 1043. Um, and that's the only page number I know. Um, I don't know if you're using a different version where your page is. Um, so let's head there together. Um, and you'll see there, it uh, starts there under the, the heading of uh, Paul's ministry. We're going um, to the end of verse 3 in chapter 2. So we'll just turn the page there as we read. So let's read together um, from Colossians uh, chapter 1, starting at verse 24. Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am contemplating in my flesh, I am completing, sorry, in my flesh, what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. I've become its servant, according to God's commission that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love, so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So as we read through these verses, you'll see that there are um, several um, similar phrases that kind of jump out. So there's this one idea of, of suffering, of labor, of, of striving. There's this idea of this mystery that Paul keeps referring to, which was hidden and now it's revealed, it's being made known, and then this idea of having knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And so these things are kind of playing together and Paul is repeating um, some of what he says at the end of chapter one and the beginning of chapter two in, in a slightly different way 
toward the same purpose. He's just kind of wording it in a slightly different way. So let's, let's take a look at this passage um, in a little more detail here. Now, um, if you remember when we were in our, our Hebrew series, um, we had a verse at the very end of the chapter when Willie was preaching, and some of us had a question one day, and he's like, hey, Willie, well, don't worry, I'm going to preach about these other verses. You can talk about this in, in Missional Family. And so when I got to this passage, and maybe as you were reading it with me here, in the verse 1, you're like, I can't really just like ignore that. It's not like the last verse. It's not like verse 7, we just like concentrate on it. Oh man, I guess we ran out of time to address that. Right? If you're, if you're reading, maybe you picked up on what might be kind of hard to figure out what Paul is saying there when he says, I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body. Did anybody else get that right away? It's like, oh yeah, obviously. Okay, good. Then you're in the same boat as me. Um, because the first couple times I read it, I was like, eh, I don't know. I gotta say something though, right? And so I, I was looking at some commentaries and a lot of them were like, well, um, this group of people said this and this other group of people, they kind of thought this and, and then these people thought this and I guess I kind of think this. Um, and this is, this is to say because what do we know, first off, about Christ's sacrifice for us, which we talked about last week, right? In verse 20, it says, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. When Christ did that, did anything else have to have? To happen? That, that sacrifice was final, right? We, we, were, we were in Hebrews chapter 11 in our last series, and we were talking about all these people understanding the promise that it's completed in Christ. And in Hebrews, it says, Christ is the the perfect high priest, the best high priest, because he doesn't have to make sacrifice for sins anymore because he's already done it. So regardless of how you take what Paul's understanding of completing what is lacking in these afflictions here in this verse, it has nothing to do with doing something that Christ didn't do enough of on the cross. It's a completely different aspect of the Christian faith here. And, and so because of that, we also know that not, not only that, but nothing that, nothing that we do, whether, whether we're suffering, whether we're being afflicted, it's not earning us any more merit with God. We earn all the merit we need before God by being in Christ. And when we're in Christ before God, God sees Christ in us and we're declared righteous. We don't have to suffer anymore to complete that. Christ completed that for us. So there's something else going on here. And I think in the context of this whole section, how these ideas of making the mystery known and how the suffering plays into that in this passage, I think will help us um, understand what Paul is going, going for. And also we'll take a look at, at some other ideas of how central the idea of suffering was to Paul in terms of his ministry. And that's something that maybe in our context, um, in the time and the place where we live um, here in America in the 21st century, um, how we see suffering in affliction in regards to um, carrying out and practicing our faith here is maybe different than what Paul in the early church was experiencing. So 
So first, I think there's a relationship. If we look that we have seen that um, that Jesus is the one who is the king of redemption. And in, in this passage as well, Paul is making that known. So we have um, God is making known this mystery that was hidden for ages and generations, and now Paul is proclaiming that. The, the mystery is that Christ is for everyone. So that, that's the title of, of the message today, Christ, um, the mystery for everyone, I believe. Um, similar to, I believe, what I remember talking with Dan a few months ago when we were trying to figure out what... What should we use for the word mystery? Did you go with treasure? I think we were going with. So the, so the kids are, are learning that Jesus is the treasure for everyone today. And so we're talking about what does it mean? How, how does the fact that Christ is the mystery for everyone affect us and how we should be living? And how did it affect Paul? And as a result, what can we learn from that? So, so we have this mystery that wasn't known. And now it's known. We were, we were walking through Hebrews together um, a month or so ago, right? And we had all these um, people that we talked about they died before they got to understand what the promise fully was, right? So, so Abraham and, and Moses and Isaac and Jacob, they were all following God, and they knew that God had promised through Abraham to bless all nations, but they didn't know exactly what that looked like. And this, this wasn't something like, there's all kinds of, of mysteries that, or secrets, right, that some people know, right? When, when you find out um, you're, you're pregnant, like you might tell a couple people close to you. And then, you know, a few weeks down the road, you begin to tell everybody. And then those, those people that, I knew she was close, there's still like that special feeling, right? Like the same way like when, when you, you found out, like, okay, it, it's time to um, propose to my spouse. Maybe you tell a couple of people around you so they can like help figure out how it's going to work. And they're like, ah, I knew, I knew, I was in on it, right? And so there's that idea. But with this, nobody was in on it. Like the, the prophets and the people that were writing in the Old Testament, they, they wrote what was happening, but they didn't fully understand what was going on. So when Jesus got here, they were like, wait, this is how this is how it's happening. And when Jesus is here, it's for all people. And like, this is something that it even took the church a while to catch on to. Because right, they, they were um, seeing all these people um, who were Jewish get saved. And then some of the people, when they got scattered, they went and they started sharing the gospel with people that weren't Jewish. They were like, well, it's the gospel. And Jesus is, he died for everyone, right? And we talked about that Jesus is the king of creation. All creation. Then there's not anyone who his salvation can't be for. It's not like he's only king of one group of people. He's king of all creation, everything that's been created. So his salvation, naturally, is going to be for everyone. And so they're here, and they're like, hey, a bunch of Gentiles got saved. And, and Peter, he had a vision to go, he's got to go talk to this guy, Cornelius. And Cornelius in his house will get saved. And he comes back, and he's like, God's his vision, and 
oh wait, I guess the gospel is for the Gentiles. But then Paul goes on this missionary journey, and all these people in the known world are, are getting saved. And some of them are Jewish, and some of them aren't. And they're like, what do we do with this? They were trying to figure it out. Because it wasn't something that they were like, oh yeah, we've been planning for this day for ages. We've been planning for this idea for years. This is a new thing. And Paul was specifically made the apostle to make known the gospel to the Gentiles. That's what he's talking about in this section, that he's become God's servant according to God's commission to make the word of God fully known among the Gentiles. And so, so there's this aspect here to, that we're going to get back to connecting how it connects to the suffering, that Christ has come and fully revealed who God is. Right? We, talk, we talked about that in, uh, in verse 15 last week, that he is the image of the invisible God. He's fully God and fully man. He has made God known. So Paul doesn't have to say, like, oh, there's this secret. Like, it's, it's been made known. But these Gentile believers haven't heard it yet. So he's telling them. He's carrying out that proclamation. God has revealed it, and now Paul is making it known. And so, um, like, Paul talks in, in Romans Chapter 10, it's like, how are, how are you going to know without a, a preacher? How, you can, how can you hear if nobody tells you? You can't believe if you don't hear something. So Paul is carrying out what has already been revealed. He's not revealing anything new. It's been revealed in, in Jesus. God has made it known. God was the one that had the secret. It wasn't like God and Paul were like, yeah, we're going to reveal this to the world. It's going to be cool. Paul was completely separate. God revealed it, and now Paul is partaking in it. Just like in the, in the suffering, these aren't, um, this isn't what Christ did on the cross. Christ did that. And now Paul, as he's sharing, as he's taking this ministry, he's showing this mystery, and he's suffering in a way that is bringing this knowledge of Christ, this gospel to people. So I want you to flip back. You only actually have to turn back one page. In uh, Philippians chapter 2, on page uh, 1041. And at the end of chapter 2 there, um, Paul is writing this letter um, to the Philippians. And um, in the last section of, the last paragraph there in chapter 2, in verses uh, 25 to 30 there, he's talking about um, this guy, Epaphroditus, that he, he sends his brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. And so um, he says, uh, there at, at the end, in uh, verses uh, 30, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. So Epaphroditus had been sent by the church at Philippi to Paul. In, in some way, they, they were ministering to him. It doesn't say whether it was like money or, and you know, in some other letters he said, hey, can you, can you send me some books, um, some writings that I had, um, maybe 
Maybe he needed uh, clothes or whatever it was that they, they had collected and said, we want to, to bless Paul um, in his ministry. We want to bless him because he is, he is blessed the most, and we want to take care of him. But Paul is in prison, and this world is very different than, than here because, like here, we can say, yeah, we'll, we'll send, uh, you know, a dozen people on a mission trip on a plane, and it'll take like two weeks and they'll be back here. And, oh yeah, that makes sense. The whole church at Philippi couldn't go on, on this long journey to visit Paul in prison. It just isn't how that, that world makes sense. So they, so they said, we have what we want to give to Paul, but Paul's not near us. How can we complete this gift? Like, it's been given, it's ready to receive, but we need someone to bring it to Paul. And so that's Epaphroditus. And so in that sense, that's how he was making up what was lacking in their ministry, because they were willing to do it, they were ready to do it, they've done it, but Epaphroditus needed to bring it to Paul. So I think this is somewhat of the idea of what Paul is saying here, of lacking, or completing in his flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. And that suffering is connected, intertwined even in Paul's mind with the spread of the gospel. So, so he sees Jesus has suffered for us. And now as I share what Jesus has done for us, as I travel, as I share this good news, I am going to experience suffering. This is, this is the first thing that Paul heard from Jesus, right? When he was on the Damascus Road, Jesus comes to him and says, Paul, I mean, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's the first words he hears. And, and just a few verses down there in Acts chapter 9, when God is speaking to Ananias, he says, I'm going to make him uh, my servant to share to the Gentiles, to kings, and to rulers, and I'm going to show him how much he will suffer for them. And so those, this idea of suffering is not something that is separate from carrying out the Christian life and faith and call of sharing the gospel to Paul. It's something that basically automatically happens with it. Which I, I think is, is something that for, for me I know, and, and maybe um, for you coming from, if you're coming from a, a similar background here in this country, can be hard to come to grips with right away. So, if we, if we look at, at Paul's history, that's what he experienced. Turn over um, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It's on page uh, 1029. And he says, in, uh, starting in uh, verse 23, um, in the middle of verse 23, with far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death, talking about his own experience here, 
Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, the Jews, dangers from Gentiles, dangers from the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. Not to mention other things, there's the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. At this point, Paul isn't even finished with his earthly ministry. Second Corinthians wasn't the last book that he wrote. He experienced more of these same things. He was shipwrecked a fourth time during part of his journey to Rome, ultimately. And we know ultimately that he gave his life in Rome for the cause of the gospel. Paul saying that he has suffered because he has joined himself with Christ. Like Jesus, even when he was on earth, he told his disciples, they hate me, they're going to hate you too. He didn't say, well, they hated me, so because I took all the hate, everyone's going to love you guys. No, he said that suffering is part of what happens. Right? And, and we, we had that, the I Am series um, at the beginning of the summer and the spring. And in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so as, as we become more like Christ, as we follow in his footsteps, then we are going to be in a position to take on suffering, to be willing to take up our own cross, be willing to deny ourselves and take on suffering if that has to be the case so that the gospel can be made known. Just a couple smattering of other verses where Paul says, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. He says to them later um, in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, I will most gladly spend and be spent for you. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 13, tells the Ephesians, I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. In Philippians chapter 3, he talks about all the things that he had going for him in the world and that he gave up to follow Christ. And he says, my goal is to know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. In the, in the last book that he wrote, 2 Timothy, who is... Um, you know, listed along with Paul here in verse 1 is helping with this letter. It says, chapter uh, 1, verse 8, So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner, 
Instead, share in the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. The very things that Paul talks about in these verses, that he is completing this suffering. He's rejoicing in his sufferings. He's rejoicing not because suffering is bringing him any particular earthly good or any heavenly good. He's not earning salvation. He's not earning merit. He's rejoicing because as he suffers, he knows other people are beginning to understand that Christ is for them too. That they can be in Christ. They can have that this mystery can be theirs. So that's the thing that's for us too. Like, if, if you live in or around this neighborhood, you could be walking down the street and maybe me more so than some of you because I got curly hair, but you'll have people come up to you and say, are you Jewish? And if you say no, then you're like, all right, have a great day. And if you say yes, then they're willing to talk to you about their idea of who the Messiah is. Like how sad would that be? If, if this passage was like, no, it's not, it's not for the Gentiles. Or no, it's not for this particular group of people. It's for like these seven countries. But not these four over here. How sad would it be if we had to go up to people and say, hey, do you meet these criteria? Because then I can share God's love with do you, do you fall into these categories? Because man, I've got, I've got, I've got just a blessing. Oh, you don't? Tough luck. No. Because Jesus is king over everything. His salvation is for everyone. And so this glorious mystery that Paul wants these Colossians to know that they have known that he's rejoicing that they have come to know. It's that Christ, the hope of the Lord, the one whom in all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden, can be theirs. Right? Because we've been talking about how people from the outside have been saying there's other ways to get wisdom. There's these secrets that are out there. There's this hidden knowledge that will help you be more spiritual and achieve something that you can't with, with just Jesus. And Paul is saying, no. There's, there's no other answer. Everything that you need is hidden in Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you're thinking there are some treasures of wisdom and knowledge in this context that aren't connected to Christ, then you're thinking wrong. And, and not only that, it's like a secret that's not a secret. Right? Because these, these people are saying, yeah, we're still going to like make it so that it's hard to get this secret. Because if we lose the secret, we don't have, if the secret gets out to everyone, how much power do they have anymore? I'm saying, no, the, the secret's out there. I'm trying to tell everybody. I don't want it to be a secret anymore. It's been revealed. It's my job to say, hey, 
Um, I get to be the, the guy that, you know, some of you are bad at, at keeping secrets, right? Some of you are good, some of you are bad. I don't, I don't claim to know who's who. I don't even know if I'm any good. But that's the beauty of this. You don't have to be good, good at keeping secrets. Actually, if you're bad at keeping secrets, this is right up your alley. <laughs> this is a secret that God wants you to share with people. This is a mystery that isn't supposed to be a mystery anymore. Christ has come. And no matter who you are, he came for you. And so Paul was saying, I'm willing, I'm, I rejoice in the fact that I can, I can suffer for that. Because it's, it's God's commission for me. I'm a, I'm a servant to the church. I'm willing to suffer because of this mystery. I want people to understand the glorious wealth of this, of this mystery. And so he says, we proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. He doesn't say, even, even though the secret's for everybody, like only some people I want to see mature, only some people I'm willing to, to warn and teach. He says, no, I'm willing to do it for anybody, anytime, anywhere. Whatever the cost. And say, okay, well that sounds great for Paul because he's like the apostle and he got that commissioned by God, right? You're the, you're the apostle to the Gentiles. God didn't come to me and say, Sean, you're the apostle to the Gentiles. Like, how am I, am I supposed to like follow, follow Paul in this way? In, the, in this verse, verse uh, 28, where he says, teaching and admonishing, everyone with all wisdom, so we can present everyone mature in Christ. Look over at uh, the next page in chapter 3, um, verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. This same idea, these same words, they're not just a Paul thing. They're a believer thing. You have Christ. You have all the wisdom and knowledge that you need to be able to teach and admonish and help one another understand the richness of the fullness of what Christ in us means. So this isn't just a a Paul thing. It isn't just a, a Pastor Stephen or a Pastor Sean thing. I don't have to be the only one up here singing spiritual songs for us to be able to be edified. This is something that we can all participate in. And it's not just suffering, but labor that Paul talks about. And I was told, I guess the last time when I was preaching on Moses and, and the midwives, that I said somebody could be in labor for like nine months because I was talking fast enough. That's not, I don't actually believe that scientifically. Um, I just want to clear that up. Um, I did go to public school and take hell debt. Um, uh, I wish anyone in the future that is going through labor five minutes or less. Um, just want to clear that up while I see the word labor. Um, 
But yeah, so Paul, so Paul's not only suffering from the outside, but he's laboring. He's striving with all his strength to help these people that he's never even met know who Christ is and be mature in him. Over in, in chapter 4, in uh, verse 12, it says Epaphras, who is one of you, right? We talked about Epaphras being the guy who probably planted this church, sends you his greetings. It says, he is always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured. Right? This is the same idea that Paul is talking about. He's, he says, I'm, I'm striving with, with whatever I have and ultimately, it says, Christ is giving me the strength to do that. Because all of, all of this suffering, all of this weight that Paul said in, in Corinthians that he feels for all of these churches and all of these believers that he's interacted with and wants to see the best for. That's going to weigh you down. That's going to be heavy on your heart if you're trying to do it all alone in your own strength. Whether, whether you're Titled as a pastor, whether you're someone sharing the cares of the people in your missional family, it doesn't matter. You're not going to be able to do this, this striving, this laboring, without Christ working in you. He says he, he wants them to know how greatly he's struggling for them. And so... He, he says here in verses 2 and 3 kind of a, a larger idea of what he says in verse 28 of being mature in Christ. He says, I want their hearts to be encouraged, joined together in love, so that they have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. So, so I think these verses help us see what it means or what it looks like to be mature. That they're marked by unity. That they're marked by love for one another. Here's this, this church in Colossae and this church in Laodicea and all these other people. And Paul says, I want them all to be joined together in love. Right? Because if, if Christ is the king of everything, and the mystery of Christ is for everyone, then how, how could we not have unity? How could we struggle with love for one Theoretically, because I know as I'm saying this, we're all probably thinking, whether it's in personal experiences, in the larger culture, of Christians or people that say they're Christians that don't seem to give one care in the world about unity with the church or don't seem to give um, one care in the world about being united in love and knit together. And there have probably been times where we ourselves have struggled with 
gotta love that. That person? Like, okay, well, I mean, this person over here, sure. I, mean, I would probably love them even if, you know, they weren't in Christ. But, oh, yeah. Paul doesn't, Paul doesn't leave anybody out because Christ is with everybody else. And so he wants them all to be joined together in love encouraged so that they may have the riches of complete understanding and knowledge in him. And this is what he prayed at the beginning of, of chapter 1. I remember um, from the first week um, that Paul prayed for them to have wisdom and knowledge because this is what they were struggling with. And so he's saying that this is what he's working. He's, he's, saying, he's not saying like you're doing this alone. He says I'm, I'm working with you. That's how the body works, that's how ministry works, that's how walking with Christ works, is that you're not laboring on your own. I'm not laboring on my own. I'm not struggling on my own to be mature and complete in Christ. And if you're, if you're doing that on your own, don't. Don't. Find other people. Come to missional family. And your missional family say, hey, this is, this is what I'm struggling with, to be Sure, Christ with like let's do this like let's help one another don't be afraid this should be a place where we encourage one another in love to understand what it means to be mature in Christ but this is something that this idea that everything is hidden and that Christ would be full of wisdom and knowledge is something that has been told from before he got here. Even though, like I said, we didn't fully understand it in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of, of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Paul in Romans 11, after this revelation, after Jesus has come, we have seen that he is full of wisdom and knowledge and will give that to us. So the depth and the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. This is, this is something to rejoice in. Just as we rejoice in the fact that we can serve with, we can struggle for the gospel, we rejoice in can be ours. We rejoice that God in his infinite wisdom is that I'm going to share that with you in the person of Christ. And that you are included in this hope of glory. No one outside of that opportunity. So, so if that's the case, what, what can we do? I think we have a couple next steps, and the first one um, is simple. Just, if you haven't gotten to that point yet, accept Christ. 
as God's mystery for you. Don't feel as if there's any reason why you would be excluded because there's not. Jesus created everything. He's the king of redemption and that redemption can be accepting Christ, then you're at the point of, of Paul of, okay, how do I take part in making this mystery known? How do I take part in helping people have complete understanding, being mature and complete in Christ? Versus we're hard to see Mosaic, Mosaic grow in maturity in Christ. Work hard, I think, is the, the thing that should be what we, we focus on and give thought to. Because we can say, yeah, I want to I see us grow. But with, with anything, if you want to see growth, whether it's tending a plant or your physical fitness or your knowledge in a new subject area, you can't just kind of like, yeah, I guess I'll get better at this and not put effort into it. If we say, yes, all the wisdom and knowledge we need to be able to understand and make sense of this life and the next is in Christ, then we should be willing and ready to put effort in, to go beyond whatever we're doing now, to take one more step and say, okay, I'm going to be more committed to being at my mature family. If you're already there, say, I'm gonna be more committed to be talking with people during the week about, hey, we talked about this on, on Tuesday or Saturday or Monday. How's it going? Hey, I was, I was reading about Jesus and, and Matthew. Isn't this, this Interesting. This is this is amazing. This is really cool. I just want to share it with you because I, I'm learning about this, and I want to see um, I want to see you be encouraged as well, right? Because that that's what what Paul says that we can all be filled when we're filled with the Word of Christ. We're going to be teaching and admonishing one another. We're going to be encouraging one another. Then. So I don't know exactly what what it should look like for you or. Um, the person next to you, it might look different. You may be, you may be feeling like you're you're working hard. And so if you are, like I commend you, because that's one of the things that we're supposed to be about: working hard to help people understand who Jesus is. And then finally, be ready to suffer for the cause of Christ. Be willing to suffer. Obviously, we're in a different context than Paul is. So, wrestling with what it means to suffer for the cause of the gospel, wrestling with what it means to, to understand, like Paul, how this sharing of the gospel and suffering are so intertwined, I think is something that we can all 
think about and reflect on and say, what are the ways that I can be in my context, in my circumstances, be willing to count the cost? What are the ways that when Christ calls me to take up my cross each day, that maybe right now I'm afraid to do those things because it will feel like suffering. Because this is more than just the bad things to ha that happen to everyone in the world. We all have the suffering of sickness, of death, of people with more power than us, um, being able to do things that we can't, or just poverty, or whatever those things are. But one of the things that if we really follow Jesus, if we become like Christ, saying, I'm willing to suffer so that people can know God, what might those things be? Because ultimately, it's not, it's not about us. In all of this, suffering and this labor, this striving that Paul is talking about, it's not so that he can be known more, but so that Jesus can be known more. And so that's, that's what we want to think about. What steps can we take so that Jesus can be known better and known by more people? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your mystery is for everyone. That is for us. That's for me. And we are so grateful for those in our lives, in our history, who have taken steps, who have given up things in order that we might hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. We pray that you would help us to be those kind of people that are willing to give up things, that are willing to suffer loss in this life so that others may know you. God, that we would be people that wrestle and fight hard for each other. God, so that everyone here would not just know you, but would be mature and complete in you. God, we thank you that wisdom and knowledge is hidden in Christ and that you have given it to us. So we pray, God, we ask that you would help us that you would give us a spirit of understanding so that we can know and understand and share that with others. God, we love you. We're so grateful. 
that you have included us in. Help us as we work hard to take part in your strength.